Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime. You know him as Showtime on Twitter. That's right, Matt Siegel. At Showtime Cappers is where you can find them on Twitter. And we have a whole lot of pigskin to break down Friday morning. College football week 10, the National Football League week 9 already underway with the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers playing out west last night. So there's a lot to get to, and Matt will dabble with some NBA and NHL as well. Matt, always good to chat. How we doing? Greg, what's going on? Uh, you know, first time on here since the Nationals World Series. So, you know, hats off to them. Congrats. Uh, wild that, you know, a home team in a, playing all seven games did not take one victory. The first time that's ever happened. Obviously, you know, that is old news. And we are moving on to the winter sports. And we are on the hardwood. We are on the ice. I am so excited to let everyone know that the next time we're on here on Tuesday, we will have college basketball hoops kicking off, and I'm really excited for that. Yes. But any, but anyway, Greg, I mean, isn't it crazy? We're already halfway through the NFL season. It seems like just yesterday, you know, uh, we were oh, kicking off for week one. Yeah, you're right. It, it is. It's weird to think. And, you know, uh, I guess 
would you say we're at the point in the year where we kind of like you are what you are or have, have we not reached that point yet? Uh, you know, we're very close to that point, Greg. And, and, and that's a good transition later into our NFL segment. We're going to kick it off our NFL segment uh, this week, actually. You know, at the halfway point, Greg and I are going to give our 1 through 10 power rankings for the NFL season uh, being halfway through the year. And we're going to discuss a little bit about what that means. But again, you know, just because it's the first half of the season, there's still a whole second half to be played. And like you said, we will find out who the true pretenders and who the true contenders are. But we'll get to that later in the show. And later, and let's talk about NBA, Greg. You know, first week NBA, Greg, I know you don't got any picks right now, but just give me some of your takeaways, some of your thoughts, any surprises, anything like that. Well, Couple things. First off, I think that the Philadelphia 76ers are a notch above the Milwaukee Bucks in the East. Um, I think that's kind of been proven early, at least, with the way the Sixers have looked, just eye test. Agreed. And another team I'm looking at in the East that is off to a nice start. And I wasn't a little, I wasn't really sure how they'd look this year, but I think the Boston Celtics are better than they were a year ago. And I think that while Al Horford is no longer there, it is obvious that Kemba Walker is just such a good fit there. And there was definitely a need for some maturity and somebody on like Kyrie Irving, I think. Craig, I got, I got to pause you for one second. Now the other day when the Bucks were up 20 at half, if they ended up not blowing that lead and winning that game, are you saying something different? Does that one game change something for you? Because, you know, that was a big... It's a pretty big one game, and I'd argue that, like, let's take that game, right? I had the Celtics last night, or I'm sorry, Wednesday night, and I would argue that a Celtics team led by Kyrie Irving doesn't come back the way that Celtics team did with Kemba Walker. I think that that showed a lot of mental toughness, and that's the kind of guy Kemba is, you know, a, a guy that really grinded at UConn, stayed there a couple of years, played through some bad years in Charlotte. But yeah, just, I mean, he had a tremendous game, 32 points, six right. rebounds, six assists. So I, mean, I think the fit is, is just a little more natural. And then you think about, you know, one of the reasons that I think everybody kind of likes the Sixers is you assume – the young players like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Worth, are- noting, worth noting, by the way, no Jalen Brown and no Ennis Cantor in that game, by the way. Right, so- and they're still able to win that game against Milwaukee. And getting to, just to put a button on the whole point, I think one of the reasons everybody kind of likes the Sixers, in addition to some of the acquisitions, Josh Richardson and Al Horford, you have youngsters like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons who are expected to take the next steps in their careers. Well, I would like to think the same thing's going to happen with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So... Pretty impressed with Boston so far. They got that win over Milwaukee, and they also picked up a win over the defending champions, the Raptors, who are kind of also in that tier below below Philly and Milwaukee. So right now, very early still, I would say Boston looks like the third best team in the East. Yeah, I mean, fair point. I mean, look, we're a weekend. They play 82 games for a reason. We're going all the way. You know, it's 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 November. We're going all the way till June, the final. So. A lot changes, injuries, trades, you know, chemistry, a lot changed over the course of an 82 season, and we'll be here along the whole ride. Now, let's get to some picks today. You know, there's a few spots that I really like in the NBA tonight. I really am looking hard at the Orlando Magic currently, you know, just let it, we're recording on a Thursday afternoon, so these lines are taking more than I'm seeing them right now, and 
I'm looking hard at the Orlando Magic, plus five against those Milwaukee Bucks. That was a tough loss they played against the, you know, losing on the road at Boston, up almost 20, I believe, at half, losing by double digits. It's never easy to come back from that, but this Orlando Magic team, through four games, has played everyone tough. You know, I understand that their two wins have come against Cleveland and the New York Knicks, but they played a tough game against the Toronto Raptors and Atlanta Hawks, which are both on the road. I expect this Orlando Magic team at home to play this Bucks team tight. They do have some size. Vucevic is a very nice center, above average in my mind in the league. Orlando Magic are a team that I'm looking at to play, you know, getting points at home. You know, another interesting matchup this tonight we have going on is the Rockets and Nets. Obviously, you got the guards going at it. Kyrie Irving against Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden. It's a tough one for me because the Nets haven't looked too good, and you've heard Kyrie's trouble so far early in the season, but the Rockets haven't looked too much better. You know, they just were partaking a 300-point game against the Wizards. Yeah. I, I don't know what that was all about. Just an interesting look there. No official play. One game that I'll you know definitely be looking at is the Mavericks, though. I've really liked what I've seen out of these young Mavericks so far. Christoph Porzingis, Luka Doncic look great. I'm really interested to see the matchup between them two. And LeBron James and Anthony Davis. 9.30, primetime ESPN. Get your popcorn ready because that is one you do not want to miss. And then another, you know, a team that someone, that everyone thought was a young up-and-coming team, the Sacramento Kings start 0-5. Uh, and so it's real interesting. The Utah Jazz coming off a big win against the Clippers. Obviously no Kawhi, but nonetheless, they are 4-1 atop of the West, traveling on the road to 0-5 Sacramento. Another interesting matchup, just, just to keep your point, just to keep a point of reference there. And you, obviously you got the San Antonio Spurs on the second game of a back-to-back road. We've been discussing the back-to-back roads, and we'll talk about them all season long. Uh, you know, they're playing the Warriors, which with Steph Curry just broke his hand. So a real interesting matchup here. I wouldn't necessarily uh, classify this as your normal back-to-back road game with the uh, the Warriors losing their their superstar in Steph Curry. So that's more of a stay-away game for me. But... We have some real intriguing spots to look for this weekend. Again, no official plays, obviously, because we want to see, you know, make sure who's playing and make sure uh, there's no injuries taking course. But on Saturday, the Toronto Raptors are traveling at Milwaukee, a clash of two of the top five teams in the East. Then you got the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's really see what they are made of, in my opinion, Playing the toughest game of their season to date. I understand they opened against yeah, the Boston and let's Celtics. Keep an eye on any uh, discipline that might get handed down to Joel Embiid. That is exactly that is definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, with the the Portland Trailblazers, Trailblazers, excuse me, addition of Hassan Whiteside. You know, the Embiid loss could be impactful for the Sixers. Nonetheless, they still will have Al Horford, Manning. Uh, the front court for them. But the Sixers traveling to Portland should be an intriguing game. I have my eyes set to take Portland in that game. They usually perform pretty well on the road. I do expect Joel Embiid to be absent from that game. 
We've seen the Sixers struggle in the past without Joel Embiid. Now traveling across country to play the you know the the Blazers. It, it, it's going to be a tough one for them. And I will look Blazers in that one. No official play, of course. Uh, another intriguing matchup on Saturday, the Denver Nuggets continue their road trip, and they're at the Orlando Magic, who I said, you know, they play everyone tough. The Magic play everyone tough. They yeah, are gunning for that eight I spot. I just want to get in specifically on Denver and Orlando. That's a spot play that I look at most of the year. Matt, a couple teams that were – actually, the Milwaukee Bucks were the best against the spread record in the NBA last year. Do you know who two and three were? Give me the Orlando Magic. It was the Dallas Mavericks and the Sacramento Kings. I believe Sacramento was second and Dallas was third. Okay. But the reasoning there, and, and I think this comes back to an Orlando point, Dallas and Sacramento last year, neither one made the playoffs, but they both won uh, in the 30s. And, and, and they were the kind of teams that, you know, if everything were to break right for them, then the absolute ceiling for those teams last year was to make the playoffs, and they didn't quite hit it. But the point is, when you have those kinds of teams, everybody knows what the ceiling is. And everybody knows, therefore, if the ceiling is to just barely make the playoffs, that every regular season game holds a lot of weight. And so for a team like Orlando, who was a seven seed last year, they're in a similar standing in the East this year as far as where, where they will probably end up. So you expect max effort from those teams more often than, say, a Denver team who, as you said, is on the road, and, you know, they know they're going to be in the playoffs, and they know that they're probably going to have home court. And, you know, I just think motivational spots like this can play, and, and I think it's why you saw teams like Sacramento and Dallas cover a lot of numbers because oftentimes when they were underdogs against teams like Denver, who were already going to be in the playoffs, they played really hard because they need every game. And so I think it's a similar situation with Orlando I agree with you that that game is Orlando or pass. Yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to you can use the similar thinking for the Orlando uh, and and Bucks game we have later tonight. Right, but sorry, moving on, Milwaukee, right? No, 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 no. They're playing. They're playing the the, uh, the Denver as well on Saturday. Okay. So you know, you know, Magic do have a, a tough back to back. You know, they're home. Like, but they're I like playing. to get the teams that are in like that seven through twelve range in the conference in yeah. the regular season. So, so that would clap. Cla- that would put, excuse me, uh, the Magic in that range for for Friday and Saturday or tonight, excuse me, and tomorrow, going back to back against two top teams. You know, an interesting note. When the Milwaukee Bucks, they will be on their second game of a back-to-back road game against, uh, I mean, excuse me, of a road and home two-game stretch when they play the Raptors on Saturday. Um, you know, Sunday, there's there's really only one marquee matchup. So you got Lakers, you got Lakers and Spurs. Eh, that's an interesting one, but again, that's a couple days down the road. So stay tuned on the Twitter. You guys have been seeing how I've been giving out the plays overnight and early in the morning. So we beat the line movement. That's something real important. Sometimes it really comes down to it. Earlier in the week, we snagged Denver under 216 overnight. Ended up closing at 213. The final total was 215. So, I mean, there you have it. Just shows that just goes to show how sometimes getting the best number works. And, you know, sometimes getting the best number means absolutely nothing. And again, last to close out Sunday night, we have a rematch of the of the game that happened a couple nights ago. Jazz this time are traveling to L.A. to play the Clippers. I expect Kawhi to play that game. 
Clippers will probably look for a little revenge, and I expect the Clippers to do well that game. We will look to play them in that spot. Not too many marquee matchups on Monday, and then obviously we'll be back Tuesday morning to cover the next few days of games. Greg, anything else on the NBA before we move on? Nothing else on the NBA. Let's go to the ice. I know you have a couple of picks, and you mentioned some injuries, just things to keep an eye on with the NBA and and, and obviously Joel Embiid, a looming suspension. Uh, There have been actually some notable injuries across the NHL early in the season. The Colorado Avalanche are without their two stars, Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog. And the St. Louis Blues, the defending Stanley Cup champions, have lost Vladimir Tarasenko for five months to a shoulder injury. So, you know, again, something to consider uh, when looking at those two teams uh, and just in general you know, obviously you want to try and look at injury reports. Yeah, I mean, just NHL will be real quick. I'm looking at the Ducks here tonight, uh, 10 p.m. late game. The Ducks have been a powerhouse at home. Vancouver on the road. It's just an early lean so far. I'll definitely put it out on the Twitter later today if I make an official play. So keep an eye on that. Ducks at home. Also looking at the Islanders at home. Again, another team that has had success at home. Islanders. 5-0 Five and zero in their last five. Tampa Bay, three or excuse me, two and three in their last five. This will now be the third straight or the third straight road game in four days. While the Islanders' last game has taken place on Sunday, so this is a long rest for the Islanders against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are on the road for their third time in fourth straight days. A little bit of fatigue maybe for the Lightning. Fresh legs, fresh skating legs for the Islanders. Two spots I'm looking at. We'll definitely make them official. If I make them official plays, we'll definitely post them on the Twitter. So stay tuned on the Twitter, at Showtime Cappers. Maybe a few other ads on the ice, but that's all I got for now, Greg. Let's move forward on that note and go to the college gridiron week 10. In college football, in uh, about a month from now, we will be getting ready for conference championships. Uh, things moving moving along quite a bit. Uh, and we're starting to actually see the, the playoff picture. It took a little bit of a turn there with the Oklahoma loss last week to Kansas State. And one of those teams that could have benefited from the loss uh, but did itself no favors laying an egg later in the day was the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And that's where I want to go for my first pick. It's the Notre Dame Fighting Irish hosting the Virginia Tech Hokies Notre Dame. 17 and a half point chalk in this one. And the total is at 58. And no, Matt, I'm looking no further than Virginia Tech and the points here just because I mentioned that game last week against Michigan. And it felt like a little bit of a dream crusher, if you will, for Notre Dame. Notre Dame had one loss on the year prior to that Michigan game. And it was to Georgia, you know, so it would have been difficult for Notre Dame to make the college football playoff anyway. But there was at least a fighter, a puncher's chance if they had won out. Uh, now with two losses, that's over. And I question what kind of motivation they'll come up, come in with to this game. And, and therefore, anytime I question motivation, I, I question if they'll be able to get the appropriate margin. Uh, so this is almost exclusively a fade of Notre Dame. I like Virginia Tech plus 17 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate where you're coming from, especially in college football. It's real easy to flip a switch on or off for the motivation. As we know, one, if not two losses. See you later. You're out of the discussion for the college. Not even not even the chance. You're just out of the discussion totally. Your right. name is just forgotten. Obviously not how it works in almost every other sport. 
But in college football, that's how it works. And motivation is a huge factor, especially for, you know, half the players that uh, three fourths of the players that aren't even making it to the next level. Let's move on to probably the best game of the weekend. And it is the world's largest cocktail party. That's right. The Georgia Bulldogs and the Florida Gators, Georgia, six and a half point chalk neutral field as always in Jacksonville total of 45 and a half Matt, we're both thinking along the same lines in this one. What is your play that I also am going to agree with, but I'll let you start. Greg, I got the under here. This is a clash of Titans, and this is kind of just a classic look for me. Whenever I see a clash of Titans, I immediately, again, look, using the keyword look, I immediately look to the under. I don't immediately play the under, but I immediately look to the under because usually in a clash of Titans like this, we see a tight, hard-fought, competitive game as we just spoke about with Notre Dame. You know, both of these teams have one loss, so whichever team between Georgia and Florida, whichever team loses this game will for sure ta- be taking their name out of the college football discussion. Well, yeah, I mean, the SEC East is on the line here. Exactly, exactly. So I, I, I really, truthfully do not see many risks being taken through the first three quarters. I, I feel like there will be a very scripted game plan for both of these teams, handing it off to the backfield 30, 35, maybe even more times, keeping the other team's offense off the field as much as possible, attempting to get out to that early lead, control the clock and time of possession, and and that's just how you win a hard-fought competitive football game in, in the SEC, and I expect nothing different from this game, Georgia- Florida, let's do it. Yeah, I am going to agree and play this game under the total. Uh, Right now, we are seeing uh, this total come in at 44.5 at a lot of shops. I I, I will look to take this first half as well. I mean, listen, the SEC is a conference that, and the Big Ten, they they, they both play defense in those leagues. And uh, Florida is one of the better defensive teams in, in the entire country. And I expect them to have a chance in this game, which means it's going to be low scoring. Also, the Georgia offense, only 17 points a few weeks ago now against South Carolina, 21 points before their bye week against Kentucky. Uh, Just not a team that, going back to that Notre Dame game, only scored 23 there. Not an offense that I, I think is explosive enough to create significant margin and also... Uh, you know, to, to really score a lot by itself. And we know that the Florida offense with Kyle Trask is mostly an offense that is just not going to take risks and will stretch the game out just based off of longer drives. And, and they're not going to score much anyway. The right. offense is not their MO. So when I consider the Georgia offense hasn't been playing that well, um, the under is the only way I can look here. Yeah, I mean, again, interesting note, like we both said, top defense is Georgia top five defense, you know, only allowing 10.6 points per game, 267 yards per game. Florida, not far behind as a top 15 defense, only allowing 15.8 points per game and 320 yards per game. I really think the under is a safe bet here. Georgia's went under the total five out of seven of their total games. Florida's were under the total five out of their eight total games. I think the under is a great look here. Let's move forward and go to uh, what should be a really fun game. We're on opposite sides. The Washington Huskies and the Utah Utes is the big, I'm sorry, the Pac-12 
kind of shifting into focus this weekend. We mentioned Georgia and Florida as the big game, but the next two biggest games are both in the Pac-12, and they feature uh, teams that are in the top 10 and have chances to uh, move their way closer to the college football playoff, and that's the Utes on the road laying three and a half against the Washington Huskies. We'll start there, then we'll get to Oregon and Southern Cal. But I really like this spot for Washington. You look at Washington, and uh, they actually, after the Stanford loss, which was not a good game from the Huskies at the beginning of October, uh, they ran right through Arizona, and and they played Oregon right till the bitter end and, and had a lot of chances to win that game. They had a 31-28 lead after three quarters on the Ducks at home. Now you think about the Huskies having to stew on that loss during their bye week. They come out of the bye Chris Peterson, I love him as a coach. He won at Boise State. He got Washington to the college football playoff where they took on Alabama, I think, three or four years ago. So this is a guy that has normally been a good coach to buy off of a bye week, no pun intended there. And as I said, I think with those last couple games, even though they lost to Oregon, they outplayed Oregon for chunks of that game, and now they're right back at home. Very similar spot, catching over a field goal. I love Washington not just to cover. I think Washington's going to win this game outright and end the playoff hopes for the Utah Utes. So uh, for my play, though, I am taking Washington plus three and a half. Yeah, Greg, I mean, usually, look, I'll wish you the best of luck. Here, I absolutely just cannot, considering, as you mentioned, we are on opposite sides here. And one of my main reasons is actually, you know, one of your reasons you used earlier of talking Notre Dame. The motivational factor here, look, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you, the Utah Utes have negative chance at making the college football playoffs. And, you know, you may go, that's, Matt, that's, that's also not true. If they win out, they have one loss. There's, there could easily be a one-loss team out of the Pac-12. Exactly. So well, what I'm going to explain to you is that the Utah Utes will not find themselves as a top-four team at the end of the season and that's assuming they win out. They will. I believe they will win out because I don't see a loss on their schedule. You know, of course, unless they drop at Washington here. But again, I'm taking the Utah Utes on this game. And I'm telling you that I believe there is no chance they make the college football playoffs due to just the fact of the other teams that will be ahead of them. Because let's well, what the- other teams? Because okay. you know that Penn State or Ohio State's going to lose. And you know that. LSU or Alabama is going to lose. Exactly. So, so, and it, so it's it, but again, so again, so in my opinion, all four of those teams are still better. So a one, uh, you know, a one loss Ohio State team is better than a one loss. Well, obviously, if, if right? Ohio State were to beat Penn State, though, when they play, Utah is going to be ahead of Penn State. Whoever wins the Pac-12, if they have one loss, especially if it's Oregon, Oregon's got the best one they, loss yeah. out of anybody. They lost okay. to Auburn on a neutral field. Okay, so I, again, I'll walk you through how they always find themselves on the outside looking in. LSU wins the game. LSU gets in. Alabama is a one-loss team. They will get in over Utah as a one-loss team. Clemson, I think we can both agree, will continue to run the table and get in. And then obviously, Ohio State or Penn State bearing something crazy. So I have a Big Ten team getting in with one loss. I have LSU and Alabama, and I have Clemson. I would slow your roll in Alabama. I'm not sure if they don't win the conference that they get in. It's going to be close. I mean, if they conference champion, whether it's Utah or Oregon, that is far more 
ambiguous. Right, so you're, I'm going to bring us back to the Utah game, but it's 2019, and I'm going to shut the door on Utah getting on a one-loss Utah team getting in over a one-loss Alabama team, especially considering if Alabama does have Utah. That matters. So, again, Greg, what I'm trying to say is, again, it, it, Alabama's one loss would then be to the number one team in the country. You know, that that's a way better loss than, than Utah's yeah, one loss. So, right, but so, you're, so you're it, acting it, like this is a slam dunk. It's not. Okay, so again, to my point, I believe there's negative chance that Utah gets in because the only way Utah gets in is if they are a better one-loss team than another one-loss program, which they won't be, or if one of these teams somehow that I just mentioned— You're not valuing the conference championship, which is your biggest mistake here. I'm not valuing the uh, pack—I'm not—you're right. I'm not valuing it over over an Alabama one-loss team. You're right. I'm throwing them right out the window. So, again— Let's tie it back to the game of why I'm picking Utah because that's what I was discussing. Again, because I believe that they have a negative chance of making the college football playoffs. That doesn't mean that their locker room, their coaching staff, and their players believe it. Of course not. They are thinking with the mindset of we have four games left of the regular season and we need to win all four to put ourselves in a position for the college football playoffs. Not only do they need to win the four, I do believe they need to make some exclamation marks with some of these wins. They need to show that not only can they beat these other teams in their conference, they need to handle them. If they want to play with the big boys in the SEC and the Big Ten, they need to handle them because, honestly, the the, the Pac-12 has not truthfully lived up to the hype that it has this year. I understand Oregon is still sitting there at number seven, but – They've been interesting all year. I don't really see it, but at the end of the day, Utah knows that they control. They can only control what they control, and that's winning their four games. I don't see this Washington team causing them any trouble. Utah's defense is phenomenal. They have great players on the offensive and defensive lines. I see them walking in and walking out of this Washington game with a W, probably by a touchdown or more. I will take this at minus three and a half for a two-unit play. Let's move on and go to the Big Ten, where, uh, you know, it's not— Actually, Greg, Greg, before we move on, I just have a question. So, if you think that the Utah Utes can win out and— I think Utah or Oregon could easily make the play. Okay, okay, I wanted to clarify. Okay, so you do think— one of them has a ch- okay. I, I didn't know if you were saying Utah no, they don't hold the loss. They're very much in it now. Now, so so okay. Let's just get back to this for one second before we move on. Why? How do you put a one-loss Pac-12 team over a, a, a one-loss Alabama or LSU team? Where's your reasoning there? Well, I mean, the reasoning there is okay. If it's Oregon, their loss was to an SEC team on a neutral field. We need to reward those teams for playing those games, not. None of this BS about buying non-conference wins and playing, you know, the little sisters of the poor. Greg, 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 Greg. I, I totally agree. Hey, I'm, I totally can see the Oregon point, but we didn't talk Oregon. I, I want to talk Utah. Well, theoretically, if Alabama, or I'm sorry, if Utah were to beat Oregon in the college football play in the Pac-12 championship, then I'd like to think that matters. I, I, I guess. Well, Alabama just mind, Utah, Utah lost. To a mediocre at best USC team, they're unranked. They're five and three. They their quarterback. Yeah, they were Utah back Oregon is going to be a matchup in the Pac-12 title. That's going to be two top ten teams. Like <laughs> that erases the USC loss if Utah wins. Okay, my point is right. Utah still would have then only have beaten one top ten team this year, and that would be 
in the conference game. Oregon. That's it. That's all. But but Alabama's or LSU's one loss would have come against the number one team in the country. So it's clearly a better loss than at USC. And both teams clearly have accumulated better wins than the one Pac-12 championship win that Utah would have. I mean... Listen, I'll acknowledge that the argument for um, Utah is not as strong as the argument for Oregon. That is obviously true. But I'm sorry... I'm not going to sit here on November the or, yeah November the 1st and tell you that a one-loss Power 5 conference champion has no chance at making the playoff. That just doesn't make any sense. I mean, ultimately all that matters is how the committee views these things. And if they value a conference championship enough and everybody is on level footing in terms of you know, the number of losses, which in this case they are, I think. Yeah, I think we've seen in the past that that college, I mean, that 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 championship games uh, don't mean too much to the committee. They value the conference well, overall. If, if that so, stays the case, then, yeah, Utah probably isn't going to make it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Like I said, I, I just can't sit here on November the 1st and tell you that a team that's number nine in the country, if they win their conference, they're going to finish top six or seven, I can't tell you that that team has no chance. It doesn't yeah. make sense. I mean, that, yeah, that, that's fine. We can agree to disagree. I don't see any surprises. I see both SEC teams making it. I see Penn State or OSU making it. Obviously, OSU, because they well, will wait, beat Penn the State. Because if you see Oregon, then I think you have to put Oregon in. No, no, I, I don't see either Pac-12 team, because I see Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, and that wraps it up. It's really been the same four teams for me all year, honestly. Oh, it no, was just Oklahoma. Oklahoma in a week ago if, if we're doing this. Well, if you let me finish my sentence maybe one time, uh, like I said, it, it, it would have been Oklahoma had they gone undefeated, and they would have then knocked out the one-loss SEC team. Had Oregon or Utah gone undefeated and won the Pac-12 championship, then they would have knocked out the one-loss SEC team. But I'm sorry, Greg, a one-loss Pac-12 team will never, in our lifetime, oh knock my off God. a so one-SEC one lo- one team. lost against never. an SEC team. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. But the SEC team they lost is not also the number one team ranked in the country, nor made the college football playoffs, which would be the case for whichever team loses, Alabama or LSU, because the other one will be undefeated for the season and the number one team of the country, while Auburn, who Oregon beat in the beginning of the season against their uh, on a neutral or excuse me, lost on a neutral site, Auburn will not be making the call. By the way, I, I'd slow your roll there. Alabama would still have to play the Iron Bowl, which is a brutally hard rivalry game. And well, LSU, great, great, great. obviously, if Alabama loses two games, then then this conversation is relevant. That's irrelevant. Of course, so two losses are irrelevant. You know, that's a whole uh, two losses. You, you, goodbye. You're not getting in with two if losses. Right now, I don't care what, you're, what if what if the winner of Georgia or Florida wins the SEC? Then you have to put them in. Uh, no, no, have to. Okay. No, let's move on. Let's get back to the picks because this is nonsense. Let's get back to making money. Who you got Wait, next, Greg? You're saying that Georgia or Florida both have no chance if they win the SEC and beat Alabama or LSU in the title game. They're not getting I, in. Are you I nuts? Say, I didn't say no chance. I, I, I just said I'm, I'm moving on and I'm getting to the picks that make us money, not this nonsense. Only time will tell who makes the college football playoffs, and it's probably a, a, a walrus that is deciding for the committee because who knows how they actually pick the four teams that make it in. So let's move on. Who's your next pick in this Purdue game? Yes, I am going to take the Purdue with Nebraska game over 58. 
Uh, Rondell Moore, explosive receiver, returning to the playing field for Purdue. And it looks like uh, the explosive quarterback, Adrian Martinez, is going to return uh, for the Huskers. And, you know, he's a guy that makes a lot of plays and, and, and the whole offense goes without saying is different with a dual threat like Adrian Martinez back in the field. So um, I, I, Rondell Moore is actually one of the more explosive receivers in all of college football. And he hasn't been on the field much this year, which is a shame because he was outstanding in his freshman season with Purdue. So I'm just looking at both teams getting some big time offensive help back. And, you know, I'm not sure that's entirely built into this number because Purdue especially has uh, struggled mightily to score. So I think that you have a big vertical threat coming back, uh, and that will really uh, change things for the Boilermakers. So I think this is going to be also late in the year. You kind of think both these teams may be a little checked out, and, and, and do they really finish their tackles? And I think that lends itself more. Anytime you're talking about teams and, and, and maybe a lack of motivation, I think that also lends itself more towards uh, some poor defense and, and, and a lot of big chunk plays. So Rondell Moore right now, it looks like he's on the right side of questionable. I'm waiting to see if he's in. Same thing for Adrian Martinez. If so, I like the game over 58. Craig, I don't hate it. I, I watched my Auburn mater, Indiana, you know, beat Nebraska last weekend. Nebraska's tackling was awful. So I I, I I like where your head's at there. Let's wrap up this college football segment real quick. I got two more picks. Arguably the second best game on this Saturday slate, the 7.30 p.m. ABC primetime game. Two ranked opponents here. One of not many undefeated teams left, Memphis and SMU. You know, this line might be a little weird to most. SMU ranked 15, 8-0 at Memphis at home, ranked 24, 7-1. But you got Memphis minus 6, and let me tell you, Greg, that's for a reason. This SMU team is great, but so is this Memphis team. This this game is going to feature some high scoring. Obviously, we have a high total of 72. I expected to both teams to score in the 30s. I was looking at the over, no official play there yet. But I've seen SMU look a little vulnerable the past couple weeks, specifically last week at Houston. They looked a little vulnerable, were able to snag the win. Even the week before, I understand they ended up dominating Temple in the second half, but it was a little closer than the score implied. And then the week prior to that, they had a close one with Tulsa where, you know, they actually came down towards the end of the game. I like Memphis here at home with the home crowd. I think they're really going to get up for this game, Greg. I think there's a great chance that they're going to – I mean, I think they're going to hand SMU their first loss of the season, and I think it'll be by at least a touchdown, which is why I'm taking Memphis at home minus six. And like I said, just to wrap it up, one more play here, Greg, and this is why the Pac-12 will not be representing in the college football playoffs because I'm letting you know right now – there is an upset alert in Los Angeles, and that is USC plus four and a half at home against the Oregon Ducks. I can't say I'm ready to, to, to play on the money line yet, but I am damn near close, Greg. This Oregon team truthfully has not impressed me. They've been running through teams that they should run through. And last week they had a close one against Washington. They gave them, I mean, two weeks ago, excuse me, Give them all they can handle. And before that, they played Washington State. They won both of those games by a combined margin of six. They were both close games. Could have easily lost either of them and sent their name out of the college football playoffs. I 
expect this to be another close game. Give me four and a half points at home for USC, and I will look to uh, sprinkle, as we say, some lunch money on the money line. Yeah, I'll I'll get in on both your picks. I like the Memphis play. I follow the American Athletic Conference pretty closely, being a Temple alum. And uh, this is a huge game for both these schools. I mean, SMU have been one of the better stories in college football this year, undefeated at at this point in the year for the first time since the death penalty days in the 80s. And um, so I think that this was going to be, you're going to get max effort from Memphis at home. College game day is going to be there. You know, I think they're really going to show out the Tigers on their home field. And then lastly, I I mean, to put a button on all this Pac-12 stuff, I think one of these schools is going to lose. And I think it's more likely to be Utah, but whether if, if you were to blindly take the point spread with or take the points with USC and Washington in underdog spots, I think you got at least one winner, maybe two, uh, because I, I think that, you know, both these schools, Oregon and Utah going on the road, tricky spots. So I, I don't hate your USC bet. That's for sure. Let's take a break, move on and get to the National Football League on the other side. The holiday rush is coming. And if you sell stuff online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you'll have to be able to ship your orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all these orders? Or decide which shipping carrier to use? Or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door. And delivered in time for the holidays. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle out of holiday shopping this year. Let ShipStation help handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a free 60-day trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, enter the offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles. And neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, all at a low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price at just $2 per blade. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. And there is no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of the show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, 
a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with a low to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast from the college football week 10 discussion to the National Football League week number nine. It is, yeah, that's right, weird to say, week nine already uh, across the NFL. Uh, But I am going to start us off in the Steel City where the Indianapolis Colts visit the Pittsburgh Steelers, Indianapolis, on the road as a one-point favorite, total of 42.5 in this game. And I'll start by going under that total of 42.5. What I'm looking at here is an Indianapolis team that I know, uh, you know, Denver still plays some stingy defense, but let's not kid ourselves. The Denver Broncos are going nowhere fast. And the Colts really didn't look that good last week. Uh, and, and if I had to play the side, I would lean with the Steelers, but I don't really like enough out of the Steelers right now either. And that's all what's leading me towards the under here. You have an Indianapolis team that, as I said, didn't really look that good against Denver in a 15-13 victory last week. And I'll take you back, Matt, even further to the signature win of the year for Indy. They beat Kansas City 19-13 on the road. And I think Jacoby Brissett's a pretty good quarterback, but let's not kid ourselves. They are a team that they've rebuilt their offensive line, and I think Marlon Mack is a pretty talented back. When they're going well offensively, they're normally going through him, and they're eating up the clock. Frank Reich, a very smart offensive mind, and I think that on the road, that kind of game plan is is best suited against a Pittsburgh team that, I know it was the Dolphins, but the last three quarters, they were really stingy defensively on Monday night, so... Uh, I think that you're going to see a defensive struggle here. Mason Rudolph, not his best performance against the Dolphins on Monday night. I'm just not seeing a lot of points here. I like the under. Yeah, Greg, I'm going to just chime in real quick. I I do like the under here. Um, I liked it as well. It's a lean for me. No official play on it yet, but definitely something I will be looking at Sunday morning for sure. Let's move forward and go to Arrowhead Stadium. The Minnesota Vikings are on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I suppose the uh, great unknown here, and I'm not seeing a line, so I'll let you go from here on uh, Patrick Mahomes and his status. Matt, you're on Minnesota. I guess you're assuming that uh, Mahomes won't play? Yeah, I mean, obviously, look, let's we got to wait till that news Um and, and, and given the assumption that I'm going with, if Patrick Mahomes does not play, I do like the Vikings. Obviously, if Patrick Mahomes is playing, the line will then you know change and we'll have to reevaluate. And I probably will not be touching this game because the uncertainty of how you know effective he'll be, if he'll be able to play the whole game, the whole nine yards of that. But without Patrick Mahomes, I frankly, I just see a very similar game that we saw last week against the Packers. I see the Chiefs being well-prepared with an Andy Reid's offense who's, you know, had success with backup quarterbacks all his career because he's a great coach. Uh, I just ultimately don't see their defense being able to stop the Vikings' offense more times than the Vikings' defense can stop the Chiefs' offense. And as simple as it sounds, because that's how you win a football game, that's really what it came down to last week against the Packers. I mean... And I don't see anything different. You know, Kirk Cousins has actually been pretty good, as we've talked about. Dalvin Cook has arguably been the best running back in the league. We saw Aaron Jones destroy the Kansas City Chiefs last week. I don't know why Dalvin Cook won't be able to do that on Sunday. Uh, you know, 
assuming there's no Patrick Mahomes, obviously we'll reevaluate on Sunday. I like the Vikings to walk out of Arrowhead uh, with a W. I really do. Yeah, I passed this game. Uh, I think that the fact that Kansas City was able to score 24 on Pittsburgh makes me think, I'm sorry, on Green Bay. It makes me think that, you know, again, this guy Andy Reid is good offensive mind. I think he knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. And they still have enough weapons. I, I just, it, it, I'm still not there yet with uh, both Minnesota and Green Bay yet. Like, I, they're both, it's going to be a two-horse race in this division. But I'm waiting for one of these teams, and maybe it's going to be Green Bay against the Chargers. I'm waiting for one of these teams to just slip back a little bit, lose a game that maybe you think they should have. Uh, because, I mean, we're going to get to our power rankings. But I am, like, Matt, let, let me ask you. Do you see either one of these teams representing the NFC in the Super Bowl? Because I, I really can't make that case. Yeah, I can I can most definitely see either of these teams representing okay. the Super Bowl. Well, and I'll tell you why. Real quick point on either. Uh, Packers, Aaron Rodgers, that's it. Two words. He's that special. He can lead a team to a victory. And in an NFL where obviously it's win or go home, not a seven-game series like we see in other sports, Aaron Rodgers can most certainly win you two games. And, you know, there's no reason why the Packers uh, can't have – a buy in, in, in the first okay. Weekend. Well, then, okay. Well, your pick is on Minnesota, so then, then if they're gonna get a buy, like this kind of seems like the game that Minnesota slips up in a little bit. You know, like, no, 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 like I said, flip the script. But, you can you can make the same case. Minnesota might land with that buy. So if they land with that buy, then all of a sudden they just well, need sure. two wins. And yeah. so, so that's why I don't see them not having a chance either. Obviously, you know, I'm not giving them, you know, I don't think we're going to see a Green Bay Packers and a Minnesota Vikings NFC Championship. I think whichever one has a bye sits a lot better, and then they get home field. But, I mean, the Vikings play D. They 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 can run the ball like no one, no other. The only question mark for me is can Kirk Cousins not throw a game-losing interception? That's actually what it comes down to. On that note, we'll move on. I like a game in Charlotte. That's right, the Carolina Panthers – Hosting. Before we keep moving on, let's go. Let's let's just go quickly through halfway through the season. Give me your top ten teams in the NFL. Okay. Well, I mean, I think you have to put New England one. That goes without saying. Uh, I'm gonna I'll put. Just, I'll just agree with you. I'll just agree with you if I got it. I got New England one. So let's go two now. Who uh, you got uh, at two? I, I got San Francisco at two. Okay. Well, I have the Patriots defense at two. Who do you got <laughs> at three? Um, at. Three. I'm kidding. I will go the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco, yeah. you'll agree with me there. Okay. Yeah. We're in agreement. Three. I am gonna maybe surprise it a little bit here. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I don't have the San Francisco Niners at, at three. I have I have the New Orleans Saints. I mean at two. I have the New Orleans yeah, Saints at two. I, I, my mistake. Yeah, I'm gonna go New Orleans at three. Okay. I have New Orleans at two, and I actually do have the Packers sitting at three. Wow. Uh, and, and then I have the Niners four. So I have I have Pats. Wow. I have Packers over Niners strictly because, like I said, they got a bad, bad man taking snaps. Aaron Rodgers, I believe he's got a chip as crazy as it sounds. A future Hall of Famer has a chip on his shoulder. I've been saying it all year. I really think he's got something to prove. He got what he wanted. You know, Mike McCarthy's gone, new coach, Matt LaFleur. And I just really think that the Packers have something to prove, missing the playoffs last year. And at the end of the day, how I'm deciding Packers over Niners is strictly Packers against Niners, NFC Championship. I'm taking the Packers to win because I have faith in Aaron Rodgers. Let me tell you, Jimmy G has not been impressive. He's been a game manager. He's actually thrown an interception in every single game. Yeah, I hear that. But you know, I, I, 
Go ahead. And so at the end of the day, in this NFL, I want the team that has the quarterback that's going to go out and win me the game. That's Aaron Rodgers. I'm putting the Packers at three. Yeah, I, I guess, though, I would say, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been on the Packers for a decade now, and they've been at different points over that decade. They've been an afterthought, kind of. So I think there's enough holes. I think I, th- I just think San Francisco is a more complete football team. Their defense is elite. They can run the ball better than almost any team in the NFL. And that's going to take me to my number four team after the New Orleans Saints at three. I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. I love what they're doing and the way they play. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram coming in there as a running game. Like John Harbaugh has said how they want to just almost change the way football is played. And they might not do that, but he's made comments of that ilk. And you think about the personnel that they have. Now they have the stretch the field rookie receiver in Hollywood Brown to help make them plays down the field. Mark Andrews, tight end coming into his own. All of a sudden, it's an offense that, you know, normally we think about Baltimore and they're so good defensively, but I think their offense is turning the corner. I like Baltimore at number four. Yeah, I like Baltimore. Craig, just to speed this up a little bit, I'm just going to give you my one through ten straight up and down. I got the Pats at one, the Saints at two, the Packers at three, the Niners at four, the Vikings at five, the Colts at six, the Chiefs at seven, the Ravens all the way down at eight. Now, granted, if the Ravens can pull off an upset against the Patriots, obviously they will then jump up in my rankings. Seahawks at nine, and the and the Houston Texans rounding out my top ten at number ten. So I'll go Pats, Niners, Saints, Ravens, Col- uh, Vikings, I'll put it five. Then I'll go with the Colts at six, the Packers at seven, the uh, – who am I missing? Uh, Seattle, I'll throw them in at eight. The I'll put the Dallas Cowboys at nine, and I will go with the Houston Texans at ten. So did you so leave the Did you leave the Colts out or the Chiefs out? Who did you leave out from oh, my I'm sorry. list? I'm sorry, my, you're right. I, I knew I was missing somebody. Kansas City was who okay. I was. Missing. All right, so we got a consensus on the top ten teams. Just a slight different uh, different uh, order of the ten. Obviously, over the next four five, six weeks, I think we will all be in pretty close agreement to the top six teams in the NFL as, as, as by week 13 and 14, we can clearly see, but getting back to the picks, Greg, I know you have a play in the Tennessee Titans game. So take it away. Yeah, I do. I I like the Titans as a road dog plus three and a half against the Carolina Panthers. Chime in. Uh, I like that play as well, Greg. I really do. You know, and and Matt, like we watched Carolina last week and, and first off, I think this is going to be the last game Kyle Allen starts. I think Cam Newton's coming back next week. Um, We watched uh, Carolina last week, and San Francisco just ran it down their throat. Like, they did whatever they wanted. Uh, I mean, I hope you had Tevin Coleman in in a daily fantasy lineup or something. I had him in my fantasy lineup. There you go. It was Kyle Elliott for the bye week. Uh, That's why I plugged him in. There you go. I mean, I I think I'm very concerned with what I saw of that Carolina run D. And what does Tennessee do? I mean, they're going to pound Derrick Henry as much as they can after seeing that. And, you know, listen, I know it's Ryan Tannehill, but he makes less mistakes than Marcus Mariota. And when you're the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, they pride themselves on their bell cow back and a pretty good defense. And there's no reason to think that they can't play that kind of game here against Carolina. Kyle Allen, I mentioned, I think this is the last game he plays for the Panthers. I think the Titans force a few more turnovers from Kyle Allen. I think they got a good chance to win outright, but at getting the hook, I like them plus three and a half. Yeah, like I said, I, I I do I do like that play as well. Greg, I haven't played them 
in a while. I've actually faded them a couple times. I'm going to my hometown. My Philadelphia Eagles, minus five here. Greg, I have no other words to say that I am just simply betting against the Chicago Bears. Abysmal offense. They are so bad. It's atrocious. Uh, Greg, it's so funny. They are almost as bad as the Dolphins, I swear, but the Dolphins at least are trying to lose, and they're going to get a top pick out of it, and they're not tied to yeah. a bad ironically quarterback. enough, the Dolphins, as much as you say that, they're at least covering the spreads. So the Bears have not even been doing that. Yeah, I, I mean, the Bears are 0-3 against the spread in the last three games, 0-3 straight up in their last three games. They are abysmal. Now, it's funny, the Eagles flip every week, you know. The Eagles come right. off a loss, at, 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 you know, but let's not take away from what the Philadelphia Eagles did. They went on the road to Minnesota, lost. They went on the road, you know, Sunday night, and they lost to the Cowboys. They then played their third consecutive road game at a 5-1 and Buffalo Bills team, and they walked away with a W. Here we are, you know, eight weeks down the line, and the Eagles are only one game out of first place in the division. So slow your roll on the Eagles and everyone because – they can easily win the division still. And I think it's going to start with a win at home by at least a touchdown or more at home against the Bears. We can move right on because the Bears are absolutely pathetic. My under nine and a half wins is going to cash probably by week 12. Yeah, I, I, I like this play. Ultimately, pass just because I'm a little concerned yet if I can trust the Eagles, but I sure can't trust the Bears. I'm sitting on under nine and a half wins for Chicago as well and feeling great about it. Let's go to the West Coast. Uh, where I like a game in the Bay Area, and it's the home team, the Oakland Raiders, as a two-point favorite. I will lay the deuce to back John Gruden and company, the silver and black. Love this play because, Matt, this is the first home game for the Oakland Raiders in almost two months. That's right. They opened the season uh, against the Denver Broncos at home. Then they played the Kansas City Chiefs at home. And since that game against Kansas City, they have not played in Oakland. And we sit here now. It was September the 15th was their last game in Oakland. They had a couple of road games. Then they had a, a, a quote-unquote home game in London, bye week, and two more road games. So now they're finally back in Oakland. And listen, uh, Oakland at this point in the year, they are what they are. And what they are is they're probably better than what everybody expected. And, you know, am I going to sit here and tell you that they're a sleeper to make the playoffs? No, but... They are better than what they thought, and this is the last year in Oakland. I think if they can at least just stay relevant, which I think they are right now. They're, they're playing hard. They covered last week in Houston. If they can just stay relevant down the stretch, you're going to see some value on Oakland in these home games because the fans are going to be going nuts. This is their last chance to see their Raiders, and they come back home after two months not playing in Oakland. Uh, Lions are not a team I want to buy right now. They didn't cover last week against the Giants. I think they're going to start to dip, and that NFC North is just going to become clearer and clearer that it's the Packers and the Vikings. Give me the Raiders, minus two. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Raiders here with you as well. I think they get a W at home. I do like the over in this game. I think it will be a shootout as well. Let's stay in the AFC West and go to the Mile High City where uh, we're not going to see Joe Flacco for the Denver Broncos. Matt, does that lend you more towards taking the game under the total between Cleveland and Denver? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I went under 40 here. This was an easy one for me, and we'll be another quick one. These two offenses are absolutely abysmal. The Browns are only averaging 19 points per game. How about Baker Mayfield this week, too? I yeah, mean. he sucks. He sucks. He's an embarrassment. His comments are atrocious. Right. We, we are almost looking at a Johnny Manziel part two. Obviously, I do believe Baker Mayfield is a lot more talented, and I think that he needs this season over as quickly as possible, get his head on right, actually worry about some football in the offseason, and, and come in with a chip on his shoulder next year, not like his dick is bigger than everyone else's. Because let me tell you, <laughs> it absolutely is not. And I, I want nothing more than the Browns to just continue to lose. With Trust that me. being said, with that being said, it's very intriguing because the Browns do play the se- easiest yeah, schedule of the up, second yeah. half. They play three teams that have yet a win this year. Or, or a com- I mean, a combined one win. So there's actually kind of crazy that the Browns can still make the playoffs or, or win the division, considering the one of their two wins came against the Baltimore Ravens. And so they still play the Ravens again. They play the Steelers twice. So it's kind of funny. As bad as the Browns win, they still have a clear path at the division. It's actually crazy. But back to this game. I mean, Denver's offense with Joe Flacco and Emmanuel Sanders, obviously, is gone now. This will be the second week without him. They've only been averaging 15.6 points. Take away your number one receiver. Take away your star quarterback, or your starting quarterback, excuse me, far from a star. And you have Brandon Allen making his NFL debut. And let me tell you, Brandon Allen was a stud in the preseason. You know, he had a whopping zero touchdowns and three interceptions in his four games in the preseason. Obviously, <laughs> my, you know, I have a sarcasm there. That's pretty embarrassing in preseason. You can't even get a touchdown and you throw three picks. Four straight games for Denver have gone under the total. Six of their eight have gone under the total. You know, the Browns have gone under the total. Three of their last five and four of their seven total. Again, in the Mile High City, altitude and weather playing a factor. I expect this to be a low-scoring game. I do think the Browns ultimately end up pulling off the win, maybe like a 17-13 to 13 game, but definitely well above the under. Baker Mayfield, just put out there, is averaging .85 touchdowns a game while averaging 1.7 interceptions. So when you're averaging twice as many interceptions per game as touchdowns, that's pretty fucking pathetic. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I like this play, and, and you're right about the Browns' schedule. I still think my under nine wins on the Browns is going to be okay, uh, but – uh, I, I do think with the Browns where their offense is at and, and Denver's offense has been in the garbage can all season, that, that under is the only way I can look on this total. Let's wrap things up. Sunday night football. I like a side. Matt likes a total. It's the Baltimore Ravens hosting the New England Patriots. Baltimore currently at three and a half, three-point chalk, depending on where you shop. I got in at three and a half earlier this week, and you better believe I think the money's going the right way. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't even think you're going to need the points. I'm calling it right now. The Ravens win this game outright. Uh, off a bye, give me John Harbaugh, a coach that we have seen in the past, is not going to back down, not going to be afraid of coaching against Bill Belichick. He won an AFC championship in Foxborough the year they won the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and listen, what have we been waiting for? I've been, at least I've been waiting for an offense to just possess the football against New England. Enough with the takeaways and the defensive touchdowns for the Pats. Nick Chubb, hold on to the ball last week, and that game might get kind of interesting. And gosh, Sam Darnold, every time, interception after interception. Go back and forth here. Ultimately, 
I think this is the exact spot where you do see an offense protect the football in the Baltimore Ravens. I think they possess the ball for at least 35 minutes in this game. Give me the Ravens plus the points. I'll take it. at I would play it at three as well because that's just such a key number. Uh, as I said, I got in at three and a half, and I'll probably just sit on it. Uh, but I do think Baltimore can win this game outright. I love the Ravens' side in Sunday Night Football. Yeah, real tough one for me to pick a side here, Greg. All signs point to the Ravens. Honestly, a little too many signs point to the Ravens, and uh, it's really tough. I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens win this game outright. I also wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots came in and just absolutely ran the train like they've been doing to other teams. Tough one for me. Uh, and by run the train, I mean perform. I don't think they would blow out the Ravens on sure. their home against a bye, but I do think perform how we've seen. Again, tough, competitive Sunday night football game. This this has playoff seeding implications potential down the line. I like the under here. Seven out of the eight Sunday night football games have went under the total. You know, we've been riding the Patriots under. I've been riding the Patriots under, you know, like a jockey rides his horse to a Kentucky Derby victory. You know, obviously, it goes without saying that I believe the Ravens offense is the most lethal offense the Patriots will play to date. With that being said, as long as Mr. Hoodie is on the sidelines, I have faith that they can stop any 11 guys that are on the other side of the field. You know, I do think Lamar Jackson will cause them trouble, but again, the Patriots will be prepared. This will be a competitive game. I like under 45 and a half. Ultimately, I do lean as of now the Ravens edging out the Patriots off of a bye due to Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram, as you say, controlling the tempo and controlling the time of possession and almost, as we can say, giving the Patriots a little dose of their own medicine. Patriots have a few, I mean, Ravens have a few defensive guys that they're getting back from injury. You know, Earl Thomas and Jimmy Smith. They've traded for Marcus Peters a couple weeks ago. He's at it, so their defense is a little bit better. They just held the Seahawks at home. They held the Seahawks to 16 points. Now they're coming off a bye. Give me the under here, 45 and a half. Always good to end with a little bit of an agreement there. Plenty of disagreement on this week's pod, but hey. For the most part, NFL was in in agreement. Yes, absolutely. And, And you know what? A little bit of disagreement is always healthy. So, Matt, a lot of fun as always. Looking forward to doing it with you again on Tuesday morning. Yes, sir. College basketball, baby. I am ready to roll. Can't wait as well. College basketball right around the corner. We will be talking a lot of college hoops, NBA, NHL on Tuesday when we return on Full Slate. That does it for us. Everybody enjoy your weekend full of football and please play responsibly.